What is cryptography? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy DuBlock, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is cryptography. And with me today to do that is Justin Troutman, a security and privacy researcher. Justin, how are you? Doing quite well, Tim. How about you? Good. Uh, actually, before we get into it, is, is that okay? I kind of pulled that from your website. I didn't know if you want me to use like an official title or anything. That's fine. I mean, I focus on cryptography, but I explore so many different areas that security and privacy research sort of captures all that. Okay. All right. Well, so let's get right into it. What is cryptography in the basic, in the most basic terms? Well, the most obvious way to use cryptography that, that most people would come into contact with first is, you know, encryption. Basically, the idea of taking data that you can read, uh, applying some mathematical function to it, and magically getting uh, data that you can no longer read unless you know a certain secret. So, um, the, the simplest way to define cryptography would be to discuss encryption and the scrambling of data. So, so it's almost kind of cryptography is kind of the field, and encryption is the actual method that's being used. Sure, cryptography is a term that applies. I mean, it involves so many different things. Uh, encryption is just the most basic way that you would use cryptography. I mean, there there are so many things that crypto can do. Uh, besides encrypting data. Um, so yeah, cryptography is the field. Encryption is just one of many applications. What uh, what are some of those other applications? Well, uh, for example, if you're familiar with the, the Tor network, um, that uses cryptography to encrypt as well. But uh, you can also use crypto to, uh, to look at things like anonymity. Uh, there's other goals like integrity. So if, let's say encryption is what you would do if you want to keep your data confidential. Uh, authentication is something you might want to do if you want to maintain the integrity of your data. And that's important, especially in you know real-world communication systems, because encryption by itself is, is not quite enough. You know, you need to maintain the integrity uh, because you'd think that if someone can't read encrypted data, then they couldn't do anything useful with it. But data has structure, and if you know the format of, let's say, a packet of data, you might be able to manipulate encrypted, encrypted data in a way that when it's decrypted, will have some desired effect, uh, and that could spell trouble uh, for, for a user. Uh, so you need to apply authentication to it uh, to also make it such that you cannot manipulate the data in any way. What, what are some of the strengths, strengths of cryptography? Well, you know, cryptography, you could say that it's the, the strongest link in any system. Uh, when anything falls apart, it's hardly ever because of the cryptography, unless you're doing homegrown cryptography, um, or something that you just cook up overnight. If you're using standard cryptography, you should be okay. So it is usually the strongest part of any system. Um, you know, and it's sort of the go-to for how we conceal our data. Uh, credit card information is an example. If you're buying, let's say, a, a book from Amazon, those, those credentials are protected with crypto. Um, unfortunately, there's so many other ways to attack systems that cryptography, you know, by itself, uh, can't do all that we wish it could do in a perfect world, maybe. But but crypto, it certainly saves us a lot of trouble. Uh, it does it does offer us quite a bit, uh, but it's certainly not a panacea to security by any means. 
So you mentioned like home cryptography. It's that's a little interesting because it, it just doesn't. It seems like you'd have to have like this really smart person and this big, you know, fancy system to spit out some cryptography. But or, or is that kind of what people are doing at homes? They're taking you know their computers at home and doing this. Well, you know, crypto. It's over the past few decades. I mean, you can get examples. You can download source code. Let's say you can download specifications and algorithms and tinker with it and build something based off something that is secure. And what you build may be you know, highly insecure because you know, crypto weaknesses are very subtle. They're not obvious at all. Uh, uh, you can look at two streams of output from a secure cipher or an insecure cipher, and both streams are going to look pretty random you know, to the naked eye. I mean, you can you know, read the data off and both seem random. But when you start doing analysis, uh, you're going to find biases in you know, the cipher takes a weak you know, algorithm. Uh, that, that aren't going to be something that a non-cryptographer or someone who doesn't work with cryptography directly like that will be able to catch. Um, you know, we've seen homegrown cryptography for a long time now, and a lot of the attempts at it are born out of the idea that people, they worry about standards, let's say the advanced encryption standard. They were conspiracies that since it's a government standard, then it must have been manipulated by the government. Um, you know, it was designed by two Belgian cryptographers in an open competition. It would have been really tough. Uh, to try to, to pull something like that in an open competition. So that part doesn't concern me, but it concerns a lot of other people that, that don't necessarily know a lot about cryptography, but are concerned about the political aspects of, of how governments have tried to, to limit or control the use of it. So you'll see applications that will tout some brand-new algorithm that's not government-controlled, it uh, uses million-bit keys, or it's based on some new type of mathematics that hasn't existed before up until this point. Um, so it's easy for us as cryptographers to, to look at this and know that it's not good, that we should steer clear of it, not really do it in the intention. But to the average consumer, uh, they're going to lock on to buzzwords. They're going to lock on to good marketing PR. Um, so when an app, let's say, gets good reviews from a magazine uh, because it touts all these, these wonderful things, they may download and use it thinking that it's the best thing there is out there, that it's better than the AES, it's better than the standards that we have. So there's, there's always been a danger uh, because, you know, cryptography in practice is not a, a very regulated field at all. Anybody can build an app and put in their own algorithm and sell it if they'd like. Um, so it's still very much a frontier science in the real world. You know, people have that opportunity to build something, and they may have great intentions, but those great intentions don't always carry through to a good product. So would you consider that the weakness of cryptography, is that there's not really a standard? Well, there, there are standards in cryptography, but there's nothing to prevent bad cryptography from surfacing. Right, okay. So much so, popping up that we, we don't have the time or the resources to, to look at it all to determine if it is good. So, so, so how would a person be able to tell if it's good crypto or bad crypto? Or and I, and I maybe it's not bad crypto, but, but you know, more, I don't know how, I guess how would you put that? How would someone know that they're using good crypt you know a good good crypto form that's been developed by you know properly well you know i don't know that there's a solution to that problem i mean what's interesting and what i've noticed uh since twitter's been around for example uh you know it used to be back in the day if you wanted to communicate you would email somebody and it took a while and sometimes you might not send a cold email to a researcher just because you were sure they were busy or they didn't have time to respond but Twitter's made it very instantaneous for a lot of the smartest people in the field to have very quick, unorganized discussions about 
crypto on Twitter. And if you follow that, you'll, you'll notice that like every day, there's a really good discussion taking place about something. Um, and out of that, uh, it, it seems to have coincided with, with crowdfunding. And what we're seeing now is a trend where very quickly researchers are honing in on new applications and either saying, okay, stop marketing the way you're marketing without an audit, or let's see if we can come up with the resources to get an audit for this product. Um, so it's, it's gotten a lot better, I think. Uh, we're very quick to learn about new apps thanks to social media. And with, you know, because of that, we've been very quick to call them out if they're doing something wrong. And because these people are trusted in the community, people will, will say, okay, well, these, these really smart people were talking about this on Twitter. They all you know, have reached this consensus that maybe I shouldn't use this product yet because it doesn't have an audit. Uh, so I'll use something a, a bit more well-known. Um, so I look at that as a, a benefit of social media uh, you know, in the direction of crypto. But it, it's hard. It really is hard. And what I worry about more, you know, when I was talking about apps that used really bizarre crypto that was easy to pinpoint, what we're seeing after, you know, post-Snowden are really well-intentioned attempts at building crypto based on standards. And even to someone like us, uh, we can't tell the difference just looking at a web page of a new app because it all sounds great. It uses standard cryptography. It doesn't appear to do anything wrong, but it's just someone who cares about the politics of cryptography. They want to they want to help bring crypto to the people. So they built this app overnight, and they want to you know get people to use it. And if it looks good, people will use it. It has that good experience, and they're popping up so quickly that again we don't have the time and resources to really check these things out before they they go live. And I worry about that a lot more than I worry about the snake oil from the past. So if if we're if there's something new coming out, you should someone should like maybe look at the Twitter feed of uh, you know some some well known cryptographers to see if they have an opinion on this. Right, you know, it might sound a little crazy, but uh, that's the most instantaneous way to to catch you know live discussions about new products. Right, and, you know, crypto is getting a lot of press now, a lot more <laughs> the past few years than it ever has. Uh, so the chances that a popular app will, as soon as a popular app talks about using crypto, somebody's going to start talking about it on Twitter. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, again, these really smart people on Twitter, um, you know, Matthew Green, professor, um, he's probably one of the foremost, you know, voices in real-world crypto. Uh, if you follow him, he's, he's always got something good to say about some real-world application. Uh, so, yeah, it's a safe bet. You know, check Twitter. Um you know, aside from that, it's, it's, again, social media makes it a lot easier to contact people that know about these things. It may be able to give a quick opinion on, should I use this now or should I wait or what should I use? Now, you said you've seen like a, an increase, you know, prominence for crypt cryptography uh, in general with the Edward Stone things. Have you seen more of an interest in actually people trying to dig into it um, as far as, you know, just more, I guess, get more cryptographers uh, in the field? It's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, there's a, this, a very large distinction between cryptographers and developers. Um, so I think there's, there's certainly been a lot more interest in getting people that want to implement cryptography. Uh, I don't know that it's produced any more cryptographers. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that it's, it's caused people to say, okay, maybe I want to get into the field of cryptography because this, is, this seems exciting and it has a, a really uh, strong purpose in society. Uh, so maybe in that way. But I think overall the, the, the most noticeable interest is people wanting to implement crypto. They want to build something. They want to incorporate it into the tools. Uh, and that's, that's both good and bad. You know, we need people to be eager about it. Uh, but we, 
in the user experience of crypto is something that's plagued us for years. Uh, so we're still building tools and aren't quite up to par. Uh, we're getting better, but I think in some ways we're a little, little ahead of ourselves. We need to step back and uh, try to come up with a better way to build, you know, consumer-friendly products. Okay, so how would someone get started in cryptography? You know, maybe you can tackle this in, in two-parter, but you know, professionally or just the standard user. Well, I suppose that would depend on what you mean by getting into cryptography. Um, you know, if you're a standard user who wants to know more about it, there's certainly lots of good books out there, lots of online tutorials. Uh, they can walk you through, you know, a lot of the, the prominent tools that you can start using cryptography for uh, your instant messaging, for your texting, for, uh, you know, audio video calls, voice over IP, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, to, to, are you curious about what it, what it would take to, to become a cryptographer or it's kind, of, you know, it's kind of an open, yeah. I mean that too, but maybe just showing some interest in cryptography. Like, I mean, what's at the very basic level? You have a little bit of interest, just maybe not necessarily as a professional or even as a standard user, but you're just like, hey, this this looks cool. I mean, how would you get started in trying to understand it a little bit more? No, I think there are a lot of good. Again, the Twitter conversations, if you follow, mm-hmm. it's. I keep going back to that, but it's a, it's a really easy way to kind of get an idea of what the, the real-world relevance of crypto is and what it means when someone's broken crypto. You know, what does that mean for the user? Uh, from a mathematical perspective, broken uh, means something entirely different than it would in the real world. You know, For example, if a cryptographer finds an attack that, let's say, breaks the advanced encryption standard in two to the hundred operations, uh, they would call that broken because it was advertised at a higher level of security. Uh, but in the real world, that, that means very little. It doesn't mean that, that you know, data is being siphoned out and decrypted because that attack exists. So if you're the average user, um, you know, there are a lot of really nice blogs out there, uh, you know, get the Twitter discussions, uh, lots of easy-to-read books, um, especially if you're a developer who wants to get into it. Uh, Cryptography Engineering is a really cool book uh, by Bruce Schneier, I'm Alice Ferguson, and Yoshikona. Uh, so it's a really approachable book about development. You know, I wouldn't say it's a good idea to go into crypto development using only a book as your guide for how to do it. Uh, but these books, you know, these blogs are, are certainly a good way to, to get an idea of what's involved in it, uh, what it means if you get it wrong, and why we need to get it right. Well, and that was actually leads right into my next question, which is, what are some what, what are some of the training you'd need if you were going to dive even further into it? Like you said, you have developers that might be interested in it, or you know, you might have someone just ready to to be a cryptographer. Yeah, it's. I, don't, I think it's it's growing. It's increasing what it's going to take uh, to be a cryptographer that actually puts stuff out in the real world. I mean, you have academic cryptographers who do nothing but but research crypto. They write papers about new ways to apply it. But they don't necessarily build products based on that crypto. And that's probably for the best. Uh, that, that separation is not a bad thing to have because it's really tough to find someone who can build strong cryptography and then build that into an implementation. Because secure coding is another beast of its own. Uh, and that changes from language to language. If you, you know, doing something in C is going to be a lot different than doing it in JavaScript, for example. Uh, the attack services are different. Um, a lot of the concerns you may have in one place may not exist elsewhere and vice versa. Um, so, you know, if you're a developer, it gets really tough. Um, if you specialize in one language, uh, there are certainly guys out there in different APIs and libraries uh, focused on individual languages and how to, to use cryptography uh, with those languages. Um, you know, side channel attacks are another concern. 
uh, you know, software and hardware and trying to build crypto into that, even if you're using strong crypto. Uh, a lot of times, implementations leak data uh, just because of how they're implemented. Uh, you can do things like timing attacks, looking at uh, variations on the time it takes to do one operation versus another. And that can leak valuable information to an attacker about uh, what the key is. Uh, and there have been successful attacks against very secure algorithms. Uh, and it's not that the math was broken. It's just that the code was broken uh, in a way that's not obvious uh, to even a cryptographer, let's say, because it's not a mathematical attack. It's an attack on the physical implementation itself. Um, you know, in real-world crypto, is such a, a cross-discipline thing. It involves so many more things than mathematics. Um, and it, it's really hard for any one person to master all those things themselves. Um, so what I would like to see more of uh, with this increased interest in crypto, uh, cryptographers getting better at interfacing cryptography to developers and making it easier for them to work with you know, raw cryptographic functions by you know, building better APIs, things of that nature. And, and also uh, developers and designers coming together to build products that are more intuitive to users so that they can be engaged in cryptography and at least understand uh, what it provides at a level that they care about without being required to really know how crypto works. Because I think that's that one, that one area that we've really, really failed on over the years. Um, you know, one prime example is PGP for encrypted email. Uh, using that product exposes a lot of the same crypto terminology that cryptographers work with. And the, the way it goes about it is not very intuitive. It requires a lot of training. People either do it improperly or they just don't do it at all because it become a hassle. Uh, so really focusing on that user experience is where I would like to see a lot more of this. So what are some of the skills uh, for cryptography? I, I think mathematics is, is the big one. Are there any others? Again, it, it uh, you know, sort of depends on, on what you're going to be doing with cryptography. If you're just going to research it, uh, find new ways to use the mathematics behind it, then certainly being a mathematician is a good thing. Um, you know, computer science uh, working in programming to give you a good idea about how to, to secure code. And if you take some, some mathematics courses or even some infosec or crypto courses, uh, you know, in tandem with that, uh, that'll give you a pretty good idea about uh, the pitfalls of trying to use cryptography in the real world. Uh, but, you know, if you're finding crypto programs at universities, if you can't always find them, to say the least. And there are some prominent universities throughout the world that really focus on that. But again, it's, it's, uh, the, the tax service has grown so much because there's all sorts of new things, new languages, uh, new types of applications, um, you know, whether it's software, hardware. Uh, so it's, it's hard outside of you know, an understanding of mathematics, computer science, uh, electrical engineering even. You know, a lot of these fields need to use some, some core principles that you need to carry it over to the real world. That's interesting. And you said something earlier about implementation, um, especially I, when I was in the Navy, I had to deal with some crypto and it's, you know, that tape kind of crypto that you loaded and, you know, it's been years since I had to handle it. What, like how, and there might be multiple answers to this, but um, you said hardware and software. How, how does uh, crypto get implemented with that kind of stuff? You know, well, you know, with software, for example, let's say you're working with, you know, an API, one API that's Coming up now is the, the crypto web API. You know, cryptography you know, in the browser environment. Uh, you know, JavaScript cryptography. You know, something that's very controversial. Not everybody agrees that JavaScript is the best place to do fiddling with crypto. But when you've 
on applications like that, building you know web apps and things of the sort. And then hardware where you're you're embedding crypto code you know directly into a chip, for example. Uh, you know, and, and the attack surface is entirely different. You know, code that may work well and securely in software may fall apart completely in hardware just because of uh, the different interactions, the different things you can do uh, with software or hardware. Um, so, I mean, there's so many different ways to implement. I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest pitfalls uh, that developers have is that there are all sorts of different APIs. There's all sorts of different ways to, to apply code. There's not necessarily a standard way that everybody uses. And, and sometimes the architecture doesn't allow for a standard. You may have to do something entirely different just because of the constraints you're working on. And that makes it difficult. Um, but uh, a good example of where things go wrong often is encryption and authentication, uh, how to apply them and in what order. Uh, so I think we've gotten better over the, in the past couple of years at reaching a consensus and spreading this to developers to say, hey, you need to you know, encrypt first, get authenticated. That's the safest way to do it. And it doesn't mean that you can't do it other ways and be secure, but this is the most generic way that works safely more often. Uh, and again, these things are very subtle. It's not obvious to a developer. We can't expect it to be. Uh, so again, this is this is one of those areas where we, we need more standardization, more of a consensual view of, of how we're going to interface crypto to developers. Uh, otherwise, we're going to continue to see very ad hoc implementations where it seems secure and it may look secure on the surface, uh, but there's some subtle interaction along the way that, that blows it all apart. Wow, that's and yeah, that's great. Um, and that will that will do it. Hopefully, you learned something. If you didn't, drop me on a Twitter at Timothy Dblock or email me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com. And let me know what you didn't learn, and we'll cover it in a future podcast. Uh, Justin, did you have anything you wanted to plug? Um, well, you know, most of my research is in the crypto and user experience space. And, you know, one thing I would, I would say definitely look out for and expect to see uh, is a, a more prominent view of applying user experience principles to cryptography. And I think we really need to shift towards realizing that to, to get cryptography to the masses, it's going to take a much different approach than we've applied now. We really have to understand product design, really have to understand the consumer. And I don't think we're fully going to do this unless we uh, bring in the user experience community. Uh, so I see that as a much needed you know, paradigm shift in the way we approach crypto. Uh, so that's where my site is set. And I'm, I'm hopeful that over the next few years, we're going to see uh, a really huge shift in the way we think about yeah, I was checking out your Twitter feed uh, earlier today. I noticed that you're building a Lego cipher block. Yeah, you know, it's um, you know that sort of came about. I mean, I've talked to other people about you know different ways to uh, demonstrate crypto, whether it's using uh, paint to mix colors to show how different operations work, and of course, Legos came about. And there's a, a whole community of people that that use Lego to build you know, different conceptual models to get certain things across. You know, it's not just, it's, it's a very structured thing. I mean, it's, I think it's called Lego serious play. Um, so that really got me interested in, in how could I teach my daughter, for example, cryptography in a way that she can engage with that's, that's not only fun, but she can learn. So I decided I would try to apply crypto concepts uh, using Lego. And the first thing would be to, to implement, if you will, the advanced encryption standard using Lego blocks. Uh, and there's very primitive ways I'm, I'm going to try first, uh, just building a three-dimensional model of what AES would look like, and if you model it with blocks. Uh, then later on, uh, once I get good at that, I would like to incorporate some you know, electrical components, some motors to uh, 
the extent where you can, let's say, drop in a ball at the top of the machine and watch it work its way and propagate to the cipher you know, in real time to get an understanding of how a bit of information would travel through and what it would look like on the other side. Uh, so that's the more ambitious side of what I'm doing. But I think it'll be a fun way and hopefully a way that we can sort of break down that, that uh, poor experience a barrier between crypto and the real world uh, to, to demonstrate the concepts using things that are already very familiar and fun to people. That, that sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see what, what comes of that. So uh, you guys can follow Justin at Justin Troutman on Twitter. Uh, be sure to give him a follow and have a good one. Yeah.